Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for April the 24th of 2020. Of course, this is not the customary show. Normally, this is a daily gaming news podcast hosted Monday through Friday on YouTube and podcast services around the world. But unfortunately, when I got home last night, my internet was down and it must have come back on sometime during the night because I pretty much went to bed. I got home pretty late, and I figured I would just call it quits, and we'll try again tomorrow, which is exactly what we are doing here today. But if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, be sure to subscribe and come back whenever we resume a normal schedule next week. Fingers crossed that the internet doesn't go out again, because again, as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. I need the internet to basically have any kind of connection to the outside world outside of maybe starting a fire and sending smoke signals. Uh, But... Needless to say, we made it through. We will survive. However, there is plenty of news to dive into today, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Guerrilla is planning a Horizon Zero Dawn trilogy. There are plans for next-gen sequels indicating gigantic scope and a co-op mode. Multiple sources have told VGC that Sony Interactive Entertainment has greenlit ambitious plans for the post-apocalyptic open-world franchise, which debuted in 2017 with the 10 million-selling Zero Dawn. Amsterdam-based Guerrilla has always desired to deliver a series of Horizon games and a multi-part script was written, but the plan was only officially agreed after the original game's strong debut on the PlayStation 4. Horizon is set on a far future Earth where nature has reclaimed the planet, but massive animal-like machines rule the land. Zero Dawn follows the story of Aloy, a young woman on a quest to explore the ruins of the ancient past. The title was both a commercial and critical success, with the team going on to win the 2018 BAFTA Game Award for original property. The next installment, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, started development soon after the first game's successful release, sources said. Initially, the game was planned for PlayStation 4, however, it's thought that development has now entirely shifted to focus on Sony's next-gen console. Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is said to be gigantic in scope with a larger game world and more freedom to explore it than its predecessor. People with knowledge of the game also indicated the inclusion of a co-op feature, although it is not clear if this is delivered via the main story or a separate mode. At one point, Guerrilla was planning to release a standalone co-op game preview, with progress carrying over to the latter full version of Zero Dawn 2, one person involved told VGC. However, it is not clear if these plans are still in place. Co-op is a feature Guerrilla has long intended to introduce to the series, and it is understood PlayStation was equally keen to see it online, functionality, or to see its online functionality implemented in a sequel. The co-op feature was initially planned for the first game, but was ultimately scrapped due to the development team's focus on other areas of the title. Zero Dawn concept art that leaked online in 2014, verified by VGC, even shows initial plans to have multiple players battle the game's huge mechanical beast. Guerrilla's work on a sequel has recently been suggested by a series of job advertisements which mention an open-world game featuring quests and creatures. PlayStation has even made possible reference to how the PlayStation 5's innovative controller could impact gameplay in Horizon. System architect Mark Cerny and CEO Jim Ryan have said the DualSense's adaptive triggers will help players feel the tension in their actions, like when drawing a bow to shoot an arrow. A PC version of Horizon Zero Dawn and a Horizon comic book series set after the events of the first game will be released this summer, possibly linking into the sequel. I think that's a pretty wise move, and of course that's where we'll stop. They talk a bit more about uh, the goings-on behind Horizon Zero Dawn and what's been discussed right now. 
However, I think this is a very good idea. In fact, Horizon Zero Dawn is the next game on my list uh, because during the pandemic, I personally have been going back and finishing games that I have meant uh, to complete over the course of the past few months. Uh, most recently, I have finished Journey to the Savage Planet. Now I'm going back to Death Stranding, which I am wrapping up. I believe I'm roughly around Chapter 8 of that. And then I'm going to continue on to Horizon Zero Dawn, which should ease me into the summer, where hopefully we will see uh, good Ghost of Tsushima begin to take over in my personal life. Uh, but again, that's all me personally. I think that Horizon Zero Dawn is a phenomenal game. I've played roughly about a, a quarter of it, and then I kind of began to get busy with life and internships and whatnot in college. Uh, but the aesthetic of the world and the vastness of it and the depth of the quest and the depth of the world itself is something that I think definitely warrants uh, more exploration. Even if you started to branch out from Aloy and you began to see stories told through a different perspective, I think that would be very interesting as well. Now, in terms of the co-op, I think there is definitely a huge potential for that because if you look at Monster Hunter, co-op is a fantastic part of that entire series, but it specifically shines in Monster Hunter World. Of course, within Horizon Zero Dawn, there are these giant mechanical beasts. It would be fantastic uh, to be able to grab a friend and take them down in a cooperative kind of way. So I think that it could definitely work with Horizon Zero Dawn, although it should definitely be something that is able to be completed and enjoyed in a solo first-person kind of way. Or I should say solo single-person kind of way. First-person. We don't need a first-person Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. No, we, we don't need that. Uh, however, a trilogy I think is a good idea also uh, because of its longevity. So if you have one game that came out on the PlayStation 4 in 2017, let's say you get another Horizon game that comes out in 2021 or 2022, uh, and then you have another one that comes out in 2020 three or four. Uh, then in 2025, you can get the entire trilogy bundled together with the remastered Horizon Zero Dawn, and you can pump that out, and there's another additional source of income for the studio to then put back into making whatever their next project might be. Uh, that generally tends to be a pretty solid round number that is able to, uh, you know, really get people going. So, a Horizon Zero Dawn trilogy looks to be on the horizon. Haha. <laughs> uh, however, Google is going to reveal new games during a Stadia Connect on YouTube next week. The video runs at 5 p.m. UK time on Tuesday, the 28th of April. In a tweet, Google said to expect to hear about a few games coming to Stadia. Back in January 2020, Google promised more than 10 Stadia-timed exclusives would be released by July 2020, with more than 120 games due to hit Google's streaming service in 2020. Games already confirmed for Stadia this year include Marvel's Avengers, The Elder Scrolls Online, and Superhot. And in a blog post published this week, Google said Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris and Kona are also coming to Stadia. Earlier in April, Google announced it had ditched the Stadia-based name for its free Stadia offering, making Stadia free and open to anyone with a Gmail address. It also made a number of games available for free during a two-month Stadia Pro trial. Existing Stadia Pro subscribers get two free months supplied automatically, normally costing $8.99 a month, and games you buy from the Stadia store as a Pro subscriber remain yours to play even if you cancel your Pro subscription, Google added. So this is uh, something that is beginning to show a bit of a shift in Google's plan, I believe. I want to start with this article from the bottom up uh, because, again, there's an entire article going deeper into this, but whenever the Stadia service was originally announced and debuted, it was marketed as Stadia Base and Stadia Pro. However, now it is just Stadia 
itself instead of Stadia Base. And I think that's a pretty good move and also opening it up to as many people as possible is pretty much a no-brainer at this point because it has flatlined as a service. Uh, nobody is talking about Google Stadia in a positive kind of way anyway. Uh, and then on top of that, whenever we do get news, it's about these older games coming to the platform. Like, again, The Elder Scrolls Online, Super Hot, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris. These games have been out for a number of years at this point, and if you haven't played them, there's a solid chance you might not be interested to begin with. Additionally, uh, you have Marvel's Avengers launching on the service, and you've had other big games also launch on Google Stadia, but at the same time, it just doesn't compare to the release on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC, or the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and so I think that Google is really trying to get a foothold in the space, and to be able to make a service free is certainly going to get a lot more people on board, especially if it is able to maintain that 1080p 60 frames per second expectation uh, with minimal lag when it comes to the input. But we will see what happens to Google Stadia. I personally will certainly be tuning in next week to see what's going on on Tuesday the 28th, again at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, and that is 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 6 p.m. CET. However, a follow-up to a story from Thursday, there has been, in fact, a data breach. Nintendo has now published an English language statement on today's announcement. Its account system has suffered a privacy breach affecting up to 160,000 people. In the statement, Nintendo says that at present there was no evidence to suggest Nintendo's own databases, servers, or services have been accessed. And this again suggests the login data used to access accounts was obtained elsewhere, a tactic known as credential stuffing. To protect accounts going forward, Nintendo will not detail more of how the attack took place. Finally, as Eurogamer reported earlier, login via Nintendo Network ID has been disabled and all users are highly recommended to enable two-factor authentication immediately. Of course, the full statement follows in full. Important notice, we would like to provide an update to the recent, uh, excuse me, the recent incidents of unauthorized access to some Nintendo accounts. While we continue to investigate, we would like to reassure users that there is currently no evidence pointing towards a breach of Nintendo's databases, servers, or services. As one action in our ongoing investigation, we are discontinuing the ability to use a Nintendo Network ID to sign into a Nintendo account. All other options to sign into a Nintendo account remain available. As a further precaution, we will soon contact users about resetting passwords for Nintendo Network IDs and Nintendo accounts that we have reason to believe were accessed without authorization. In addition, we also continue to strongly encourage users to enable two-step verification for their Nintendo account as instructed via the official guide. If any users become aware of unauthorized activity, we encourage them to take steps outlined in the article about Nintendo's recovery process. During the investigation, in order to deter further attempts of unauthorized sign-ins, we will not reveal more information about the methods employed to gain unauthorized access. We apologize for the inconvenience and concerns caused to our customers, and we will continue working hard to safeguard the security of our users' data. So I wanted to let you know that although there was not a data breach, there was a data leak, or perhaps there is some kind of database of information floating around there online. So if you have a Nintendo Switch, be sure to update your security settings and make sure you have two-factor authentication enabled and you are able to log in without the Nintendo Network ID. And so it continues, the Uncharted movie debacle, because it now has a new release date pushed up to July 2021. 
Sony has released yet another new wave of release date changes, including moving Uncharted about November 2021 to July 2021. The studio also revealed new dates for their sequels to Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And of course, you can find all of the information here if you did want to see when these games, or excuse me, these movies would be coming out. Uh, and so just to kind of give you a rundown of the biggest changes here, in my opinion, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel is going to be coming out on October 7th, 2022, uh, instead of, of course, April 8th of 2022. And then on top of that, I will also say that a untitled Spider-Man movie uh, that is a sequel to Far From Home is going to be coming out on November the 5th, 2021 instead of July 16th, 2021. Uh, now, in terms of Uncharted, again, it was pushed up. It was actually... They fast-forwarded a bit, if you will, uh, from, of course, the 8th of October all the way to July the 16th, 2021. And so I think that what that shows is potentially... And again, I want to make it very clear uh, that this might not be as extensive of a project or maybe potentially Sony isn't concerned about maybe eating some uh, eating some dirt on releasing Uncharted. Because if you look at the other movies that have been pushed up, uh, you have things like Fatherhood pushed up from, of course, October 23rd, 2020 to the 2nd of April, 2020. Or excuse me, that's that's further out. Uh, never mind. Uncharted, I just don't think they have much of a, of a foothold on. I don't think they have many expectations for. And so I think that maybe the production is going to be a bit simpler, so they're going to pump that one out and move on. And also, it is worth mentioning that in the world of movies, if you aren't being uh, inundated with new Marvel movies or with new action flicks or whatever it might be, if you have a bit of freedom here, uh, then potentially an Uncharted movie starring Tom Holland uh, could do very well if there's nothing else out in the movie theater right now. And so, hey, maybe it could actually uh, benefit from the current situation and benefit from its new release date. Uh, but if you want to learn more, IGN has the entire rundown for you. And of course, articles that we talk about will be linked down below. But Travis Scott's Fortnite concert drew 12.3 million concurrent viewers. And I want to make it very clear, I'm going to be reading this from a, an analytical kind of perspective and, and just to let you guys know what was going on. I have never listened to a Travis Scott song. I am not a big fan of rap. I haven't played Fortnite since probably January 2019, maybe something like that. Uh, but the first showing of Travis Scott's in-game Fortnite concert has concluded. And according to Epic Games, more than 12.3 million players logged in and wants to experience it. A video posted to the Musician's YouTube channel gives a good look at what it was like, although the in-game event was considerably more interactive. The concurrent number would be a nice bump over the 10 million or so who were said to have tuned in for a Marshmallow performance last year, and in a world without live concerts, present in the game's arena as, excuse me, present the game arena as an interesting location to host shared experiences. Of course, there are upcoming showtimes, Friday, April 24th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, that was yesterday, Saturday, today, April 25th at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. I just realized at the beginning of the show I said the wrong date. Uh, and then, of course, there are more shows throughout the day uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time as well, according to Engadget. And so, uh, I suppose this is neat, and I want to talk about this again from an analytical kind of perspective, because 12.3 million people tuning in is 
a significant amount of people. And I would also say that this was driven by Travis Scott's popularity in addition to simply people playing Fortnite. Uh, because when it comes to Marshmallow, you might not necessarily have people in their late 20s and early 30s that, you know, really get down with Marshmallow. That's more of a, a teenager kind of early 20s style of music. Not saying it's not good. That just tends to be the bulk of its audience. Uh, but on top of that, Travis Scott, somebody who is incredibly popular across a wide variety of people. So you might have, you know, 35-year-old Tom or, or whoever it might be who gets off work and he comes home and he's like, man, it's been a long day. I heard there was a Travis Scott concert in Fortnite. Let me boot it up. He dusts off the PlayStation 4, turns on Fortnite and dives on in. And so I suppose that definitely brought in a lot of people as well. Uh, but of course, tons of people watching online as well. I believe that the streams peaked at around 1.3 million on Twitch uh, concurrent. And then on top of that, there were many other people that were streaming on YouTube. Uh, and uh, according to Rod Breslau on uh, on Twi Twitter, uh, about 17 on Mixer. Just just 17 people. Uh, just kidding. There were plenty on Mixer as well, but it's the, it's the butt of the joke currently. Uh, so congrats to the guys over there at Epic Games for number one, securing this deal. Number two, making it happen remotely. This was all done without anybody being in the office, which is very impressive, and it definitely earns some kudos in my book. However, this weekend, congratulations, you, yes, you, get a free arcade game because Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 is free for keeps on Steam. On consoles, too, if that is your thing. Bandai Namco would very much like people to stay at home to help stop the spread of COVID-19, and to encourage you to do so, it's giving away Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 for the next two weeks. We will be sending our beloved Goodwill Ambassador Pac-Man into everyone's homes by making Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 available for free starting from April 24th, 2020 at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time to May 10th, 2020 at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and PCs via Steam. Bandai Namco said, through this free limited time giveaway, we hope to bring fun into everyone's homes around the globe. That's a lot of weight to put on the shoulders of a game giveaway, but free is free. To get it, just pop around the Steam or PlayStation 4 or Xbox One and hit the add to account button or purchase or buy or whatever it might be. And as long as you do so before the May 10th deadline, it is yours to keep. If you would like to have it on console instead, or additionally, I suppose, the author says, you can snag it for PS4 and Xbox One via the links provided. I love Pac-Man Championship Edition. Now, I liked the original a lot better than 2, but again, free is free, and Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 is still a fantastic game. Uh, so by all means, dive in. It's a fantastic little uh, little fun arcade romp for you to stay at home, too. Uh, but that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about here today. Are you looking forward to a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel? How about Google Stadia? On top of that, was your account affected by Nintendo's data uh, debacle? By all means, I would love to see your thoughts, your comments, and your concerns down below. But until Monday, you guys have a fantastic one. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.